0: So, who of you can remember what I preached on? Uh, how long ago is this now? It's like a month ago that I preached. Can you? No. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not a test. It's, Okay. I preached from Ephesians 2. And the important part of Ephesians 2 that I think God highlighted for me was that God made us alive. That's what Ephesians 2 teaches us. God, once we were dead in our transgressions, and then God made us alive through spirit. Now that's, if you think about it, something that's dead, ask the doctors in the house. Something that's dead, declared dead, is dead. It doesn't come back to life not naturally speaking. So we believe in everlasting life, but in a worldly, earthly, fleshly context. When something's dead, it's dead. Try plants, try grass in, in, in Malpos, a little bit less sad, but it's dead. It doesn't grow. It doesn't come back to life. It takes It takes a miracle. It takes something against natural flow of things for something that's dead to become alive. And only God can do that. And Ephesians 2 teaches that. That we were dead in our transgressions. Had no life in our own. We can't do anything. That's something that's dead can't help itself. It's dead. So God breaks into our lives. And miraculously. Through his spirit. And it says through, by grace through faith. We are made alive. Not get saved, we are made alive. We call it get saved, but it's made alive. You were dead and then made alive. A miraculous event. It did make me think a little bit about it, and then I I realized that the reverse is not true. You know, mathematical formulas, very often they only go in one direction. And this is one of those. Uh, something that is alive can die So something that is dead cannot be made alive naturally But naturally speaking Something that is alive inevitably will die Which is a bit of a scary thought Almost, don't you think? So God makes us alive There's a possibility that we could die So what keeps us alive? What makes you not die? Naturally speaking anyone. What do you do that keeps you alive? You breathe. And? Eat. And? And drink. (laughs) Water. Actually, breathing first will kill you first. So stop breathing. Definitely, that'll kill you first. Second, actually, water. And then you could go quite a while without food. We read in Matthew that Jesus went for 40 days without food. I've never tried that. Milani does that, some of the girls. Um, I've never tried 40 days. Who's fasted for 40 days? Nobody here. Who's fasted? Okay. And was that a pleasant experience, naturally speaking? You get hungry and you lose focus a little bit. You have less energy. It's actually on your way. You're busy dying because you didn't eat. So you keep on doing that for long enough, you will actually stop breathing and you will die. Scary thought. So spiritually, what do we do to stay alive? And actually we do the same things. We were made alive by God's spirit. And the spirit is often referred to as wind or breath of God. So I would see God's spirit as oxygen, as breathing and I think that analogy almost holds. I think without the Holy Spirit, we will die the quickest. If we don't have God's Spirit in our lives and around us, that will kill us. The second thing is uh, we have to drink and eat. I'm going to just keep those two together because I don't have two things. <laughs> but And that for me is, uh, in De- De- Deuteronomy 8 was a 8 verse 3, we had to look for it, so Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, so you're going to recognize this verse, but not from here, not from the scripture, so it says, so just in context, Deuteronomy 8 is Israel is about to get into the promised land, God's done it, like through the wilderness, those years are done, 40 years in the desert of starving and being in the sun and hot and everything, And God's going, we're going, we're taking the promised land now. But I've got a couple of things I want you to do. I want you to keep these commandments. That's what this is all about. So it's saying, I want you to keep these commandments. And in that context, God says this. He says, and he humbled you. So God humbled Israel, the whole nation together, not the one person. And let your hunger and fed you manna, which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So God supernaturally fed them in the desert, and that was about to stop. So he's taking them into a land of promise where there was so much food that they couldn't eat all of it. And God knows us. He goes, you know, when I stop giving you supernatural food, falling out of heaven and appearing on the ground, you're going to forget about me. And you're going to live your nice life. And, and then your lives are going to start falling apart. And then everything I, I built into you as a nation is going to be lost. So God says, don't do not. I'm going to give you a couple of commandments. I want you to follow them. And the manna that I gave you supernaturally was just a forerunner of what I actually want to give you, and that is spiritual food. And these words that I'm giving you now actually is life. That's what God's saying there. He's saying, like the manner was supernatural life, the words that I'm giving you now, that is life. And those words we find in the Bible. So my first thing would be, We need to eat, how often do we eat? Um, Some people intermittent fast these days, which means they eat once a day or twice a day. That's called intermittent fasting. If you don't intermittent fast like myself or my little one Nathan, then you eat all the time. (laughs) I do. (laughs) So the more exercise you get, the more you can eat. So I'm willing to exercise a lot so I can eat. (laughs) Um, But that's it. We actually need to feed this machine the whole time. Otherwise, it runs out of energy. Otherwise, it burns the resources and it's gone. So how often do we eat from God's word? And I think our bodies is something that God uses us to remind us how we should be with him. We should eat daily from God's Word. And I want to remind you who of you saw Andrew's first preach? That's about three weeks ago. The Now Word. When he spoke about spending time in the Word. Did you guys watch that on Just Gen Live? Which was, no, Just Gen Life, not Live. Um, an incredible. Preach, I'm sure it's still on YouTube, so if you haven't watched it, an incredible, incredible preach by Andrew, opening the door a little bit on how Andrew Silly, which is really a great man of God, spends his days starting it with the word. So, a couple of highlights from that was, glasses, here we go, Uh, this thing does not work for me, to be quite honest. Next time I'll preach from paper. Josh, not so small. <laughs> okay, Andrew, find a note. So, he said a couple of things. He said, make time. So, it won't just happen. If you don't make time, you will, well, you'll end up not spending time in the Word. And this is specifically reading from God's word. So, make a time. Find your own space. Physically, make a space somewhere. Find a chair. Find a comfortable place. Um, And set the scene. So, it doesn't need to be dreary and boring. Um, I love, Andrew said he loves to see something. He loves a view. I'm the same. I love a view. I love Otsurin for the mountains. They're just beautiful. They look different every little part of the day. They look different every day. They look different during seasons. Uh, I love that. I see God in that. And for me, that's a natural thing. If I see that, I see God. And I feel closer to God. And for me, that would be something if I can see something of God. And set the scene. Put on some worship music. And spend time in the word. So read scripture. So this is not Bible study. This is not Google what this verse means, what context was it written in. And in my case, is God saying something to the congregation or what am I going to preach on? This is read scripture and trust God that his spirit is going to show you something in that word. That is eating from the word. And we need to do that ourselves. So when when we were little, the little kids, little Femka that was just born, well, Daniela has to actually pick her up and help her to drink. She's hungry, she knows she wants to drink, but she doesn't even know what it is. Just to teach her to drink for the first time. And She can't even eat solids. She can only drink milk. And there's going to come a time when her parents are going to go, okay, she's old enough. Now we're feeding her with a little spoon, like, you know, got a little spoon. Kids don't want to eat. And you like make a little airplane. And you feed the kids with a spoon. And then you start teaching your kids to eat with a knife and a fork. That takes roughly twenty five years um, so the spoon thing, and then the knife and the fork still coming huh? is that <laughs> that's why we give them mostly apples and bananas <laughs> but you we we all hope that one day our children will will just you know, you'd go to a restaurant, and they're just going to eat perfectly in the restaurant. You're going to go, we, we no longer have to go to the spur. We can go to some other restaurant now. <laughs> Sorry for anybody that's got chairs in the spur. <laughs> but, but we can now go to a not-so-friendly restaurant to children. I, I recently heard I'm not going to name the restaurant, but somebody told me, that uh, they, they went to a restaurant with their kids, and their kids were just getting up from their chairs and going somewhere. They've got little kids. And, um, and then the owners of the restaurant came to them and said, that this is not a child-friendly restaurant. And I'm like, okay, that's awkward. But yes, <laughs> true story. So what's the point? Well, we, we feed our children, and then we teach them to eat for themselves. And at some point in time they're actually gonna go out there, make a life for themselves, earn finances, buy food, prepare the food and eat it with a knife and fork. Unbelievable, but it's gonna happen one day to all of us and I kids. Some some of you already have children that, that's gone through that process. Now why the the elaborate story? Because we can't just always be fed as 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 believers by somebody else. We have to feed ourselves. We have to spend time on the word for ourselves. And it's actually quite important that we do it on a daily basis. Because it's not you you run out of energy if you don't keep on eating. And what happens if you fast and you fast for long enough, after a while the hunger pains go away. I've never gotten there, but I hear that that's true. That after a while, the hunger pains go away. That's a dangerous place because actually your body's starting to shut down and die on a different level. So it's going, you know what? You're never going to have food again. I can just as well ignore the fact that I'm actually in agony. And your brain starts blocking out That thing. And if somebody doesn't help you to eat, you actually might n- never eat again and just die. And some of us have gotten there that, or you've never spent enough time in the Word that actually that hunger keeps on coming every day. If you wake up in the morning after a while, you, you can test this. You, first it's a little bit of discipline and you, and you make that time and you spend time in the Word and God speaks to you and then, you're hungry. You wake up hungry the next morning. You're like, what does God want to say? What is in his word for me? And you, sp- you find that scripture and God lights it up for you for the day. And you're fed for another day. It's not something you can just do once off. So I've read through my Bible once. Pretty sure I know it now. No. It's like our kids with their mats that need to do another sum of the same thing and another sum of the same thing and another. you just have to that's the nature of how God made us we have to keep on feeding ourselves whatever it is that we need so that's the word and eating Andrew had another message last week and in that he was talking about the importance of us getting together like today and how incredible! Because we trusted God, we prayed as a as a as a whole of believing. and We prayed and we we asked God to move the hearts of the government and of the committee that decides whether we can breathe or not. And uh, and God moved their hearts. Because let me tell you, um, Nadine Bordnust is in parliament almost on a daily basis or in connection with the presidential committee on a daily basis from 4SA so we know what they're going to say before they say it and up to the point where, where we prayed it was going to be n- no meetings for Christians so it wasn't uh, we know they're going to say it so let's let everybody pray and then we, we call it a win. We were actually going should we even Think about meeting, even if the government says we 're not allowed to, which would be a big step as as Christians in in the country. Uh, it means that I could be put in jail, I could get a criminal record, so which would mean i can 't go visit my mom and dad because they live in Zambia, so big, big things. But God intervened. God came in and somehow moved the heart of the committee. And they went, you know what? No, let's. we're opening gyms and restaurants. Let's open church as well. It wasn't a given. And that's to be celebrated. That's God listening to us speaking to him. And him going, I'm going to move somebody's heart. And, uh, and the heart of the, of the leaders of this country... Is held by God. That's what God says. He says he's able to move their hearts. Not because they believe in him. Because he's able to move people. So the need for us to get together. What is that like? Well. We're also part of a body. So scripture says that we. Each one forms a part of a body. And God adds you to the body. So your fingers. God's added my. Fingers in a very specific order on my hand. They're not just placed anywhere. It would be awkward if my fingers were not added to my hand. And, uh, or my nose. (laughs) In the wrong place. (laughs) Uh, Oh. Some some people's fingers are added to their nose. That's what my wife's saying. (laughs) We teach them not to be like that after a while. (laughs) It's also, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I don't need distractions. I go there on my own. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so God adds, your, adds us to the body in a specific place. We are added to Justin Otsurin. The Brandt family has been added to Otsurin. So God can place us somewhere else um, and... It's, an, it's amazing. So we, now we add it to this body. Now my finger, if I cut it off from my hand, what will happen to it? What will happen to my finger if I cut it off? It'll die. It won't take long. Why would it die? Why can't it live on its own? Well, it doesn't have everything it, it, it needs in its own. So every part of my body... My body needs. So my body need, really needs this finger. There's no part of my body that God added to it that's not essential. Everything is needed. We can learn to live without a body part. some, But they're not, not essential. I promise you. Ask somebody that doesn't have a finger or a leg or something. It's really, really missed. They, they have less functionality because of it. So... Every part. Don't think you're sitting here, you're not an essential part to the body. Each one of us are added by God to his body for a specific purpose. But it's got a, it's got a two-way street here. So the body needs the parts and the parts need the body. So my finger needs food that comes from the rest of my body. It, it gets fed through being connected. And that was the picture. And the the wonderful thing is, so if I can go back to, to the scripture in Ephesians, it's through God's spirit that we are being made alive. That's fine. So God's spirit makes us alive. That's the miraculous work into our life, is his spirit that gives us life. Now, the spirit's then also breath, so it keeps you alive. And if you think about your finger, one of the things it needs is oxygen that comes through the blood that it's connected to. So something of God's spirit that flows into you will only get there if you connect it to the body. Because I need you, you need me. We need to be connected. There's something that we just can't experience of God and his spirit on our own. As much as it's essential that we do spend time with God on our own, we do eat on our own. There's also the sense where I need you to stay alive. And without this connection, without getting together, I will also die. There's something that I will just grow colder and colder and colder. I do not have what it takes on my own. I wish I did, but I don't. I will just grow colder, and one day it'll just be more comfortable to live in the nice house that God gave me Swimming the swimming pool and maybe just make some money and uh, you know who needs to go meet? We could just get Justin live to go on. we can watch it online, not on a sunday let 's watch it on a monday evening uh, there 's something on Netflix retro Tuesday maybe um, and then and that 's how life goes without the body we Grow colder. We just don't have what it takes. And Andrew last week used an example. And again, it's like what would kill you the quickest is not breathing. So the interesting thing is I've, I've done quite a bit of crayfish diving. And Andrew spoke of his brother-in-law, uh, Jock, also an eldership in Josh Jen. Jock and Jeanette, and uh, so I've gone crayfish diving with Andrew and Jock, so this is how it goes. We dive down, it's a clear day, which never happens in Malpos, but it's an absolute incredible day. You can see 100 meters far underwater, and we go down, and and we just see crayfish everywhere. Because you can never ever see underwater in, in, in Malpos, you actually can't find the things. So you can't see them, so you, you sort of like feel around the whole time. Anyway, we go down, and you see this greyfish. Has any of you done greyfish diving, or spearfishing, or some of you? So <laughs> you, you you breathe at the top, and then you dive down, use some of the kelp to get down there. You're in there, and I can stay underwater. When it was season and I dove a lot, I, I probably could do about three, three and a half minutes. And then I become a little bit desperate for air. There's a little counter in your head that starts telling you, listen, you've got more carbon monoxide in your brain now, in your blood, than you should. You must go for breath, air. You need it. And you involuntarily start wanting to breathe, even underwater. But you can suppress it. So you do. And that starts happening with me around about two and a half minutes, and then on about three and a half minutes, I'm starting to be in trouble. I've got to get to the top. And sometimes your snorkel gets hooked on some piece of kelp on the way up, and it takes another five seconds, which feels like a whole minute, to get to the top. And you go, "Ah!" and you just get that air back in your lungs, and you go like, whoa. And I think some of the guys that had COVID might know a little bit of what this feels like. You breathe, but like you're not even getting oxygen. It's like, think about that. It's just, whoa. Then, so the three of us go down. Andrew does about a minute. <laughs> I hope he listens to this speech. <laughs> he does about a minute. He's really fit. <laughs> Surfing fit, but diving. (laughs) Andrew goes down for about a minute, and then he goes back up for air. I go for about three and a half minutes, and I go back up for air. And then I breathe a little bit, and I go down again, and Jock's still swimming there. Like... It's like, I've got two crayfish in there, and then there's another fish. I'm going to get my spear gun out, and he's still swimming. I kid you not, I go up twice for air, and I go down. Jock's still swimming down there. It's like... Like he's got a hidden gill somewhere or something. It's like just not normal. (laughs) But, so I've read up on this a little bit. So here's what happens. Through time, you can train yourself to a hyperoxygenate your blood. So that's the one thing Jock does well. He adds oxygen into his bloodstream more than what he needs. And his lungs has that capacity to push it in there and that's one of the tricks that he has to stay down longer. That all of us can do. The next thing is through time, if you dive enough, like those free diver guys that does like super deep dives to I don't know how many hundreds of meters, your brain st- starts doing the same thing that it does with food. It ignores the fact that you, little counter that's going, listen, you need to you need to breathe. Your brain's got the ability to not tell you that anymore. So that absolute need for oxygen goes away. So guys like Jacques could actually dive down there, stay down there, eventually just pass out and die. So they always dive with a buddy that watches them so that if they stop being responsive, they'll go down and fetch them and take them up. Because they won't breathe. They won't even breathe the water. They'll just pass out. Because they've trained themselves to live without oxygen. And that's the other scary thought for me, for us. How, how much training have we done to live without fellowship and God and oxygen and the spirit and being connected? We've actually done a lot of training. It wasn't on purpose. We didn't, we didn't plan this. But we have been trained now to actually function on our own and be happy without oxygen. And many divers, when they come up, the, the pressure changes. Little lesson in diving. The pressure changes, and as the pressure changes, your body's absorption of different gases change. And when the guys hit about five meters, they just instantly pass out, because they already don't have oxygen feel okay on 20 meters or 15 meters, but as they come in, they hit five meters, they just stop, and they don't float to the top, just stay there. And for me, that's the thing, like we have to be aware of this, that we need God's spirit. We need it continuously in our lives, and we need each other to keep feeding God's spirit into us. So, in closing, I would like to ask you guys a question. Who feels, because I have felt this, so who feels that you haven't had oxygen for a while? Like, you breathe, but it's just not making a difference. You read scripture, but it's not, there's nothing there. Is there any of you that have experienced that in the last while? You can show me. Right. Yeah, I think many of us have felt that. And what incredible blessing that we can get back into fellowship and experience God and breathe. And if you don't feel like you need God, if you don't if you've stopped feeling that, but you can remember what it felt like. Reach out to one another. Reach out. Come to me. Come to bad night. Go to whoever you trust and say, listen, I need to breathe. Pray with me. Help me. Like the buddy does when the diver passes out underwater. He dives down and he fetches him. If you know of somebody that's not here today, that you know that should be here today, phone them. Not, hey. That's not going to help. The guy that's passed out under the water doesn't know. He'll just die. It's up to us to actually swim down to those people and go, come, let me take you to the surface. Come breathe. So... I think all of us, as you look around, like, look who's not here, the people that you, that you miss. And in this week, reach out to them and say, hey, guys, we're going to have community on Wednesday, because we can. We can get together. We're going to have community on Wednesday. Join us. Come spend some time, and let's spend time worshiping, reading scripture, and praying together on Wednesday."